Welcome everybody to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. And apparently I'm BJ. You are BJ. Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. But apparently, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that joke even a little bit. You're just apparently BJ It's today. early. I don't know. He's apparently I'm not going to say BJ. anything funny today. <laughs> and I'm obviously Austin. You're obviously Austin. And I'm still a little sick, so... Heads up for anybody listening to this episode, I probably will not be able to edit out all of my coughs, but I'm going to try to edit out as many as possible. So every time you hear a cough, uh, take a sip. It's another game with no prize. It's true. (laughs) Pour one out for Austin every time he coughs. Yeah. So today marks the first episode we're doing in our deep dive for Dragon Quest VII. Woo! talked about it a whole lot on the show up until now it was kind of the an idea that Todd who co-hosts the Nerdberg review came up with to do like a play along where other people could play Dragon Quest 7 in advance like way back in like August September it's been a while anyway yeah it's been a while and and then they would talk about it on their podcast and then we would cap the whole thing off on our podcast by doing one of our deep dives into a Dragon Quest game. We hadn't done one on DQ7, so it seemed like a good game to do that and carry us through the holidays and all that kind of fun stuff. And today's episode is going to focus on the playable characters that Mm -hmm. exist in Dragon Quest VII. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody listening to this episode and all of our future episodes, we're going to be using names, terms, things like that from Dragon Quest VII on 3DS. Uh, And if you're confused as to why, you should check out our translations episode. Or uh, just note that this is Dragon Quest 7 and not Dragon Warrior 7. So if you want your deep dive into Dragon Warrior 7, uh, I am going to be talking about Dragon Warrior 7 on my JRPGs and me podcast at some point. But the deep dives we're doing are totally just Dragon Quest 7. So if you hear us using names from Dragon Quest Seven. that's because we're talking about Dragon Quest Seven and not Dragon Warrior Seven. It's true. So Dragon Quest Seven has some great characters, and we're going to be talking about like all the ones who make up your party generally in this episode. Now, there's tons of side characters, NPCs, some guest party members that exist in this super long Dragon Quest game. Yeah. But today's episode is just focusing on the main ones, the main party, playable party members. Um, so spoilers are going to happen in this episode. Big warning here. Lots and lots of spoilers. There's no way we can do a deep dive episode without spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much impossible. So if you've not played more than the first probably uh, three to four hours of the game, you're definitely going to get spoiled on some things. So so and it's just the way that character development goes. So if you don't mind knowing, I didn't mind knowing a few of the things that happened uh, when I was first learning about seven. So just, you know, it's a choose your own adventure today (laughs) yeah and actually as we usually do in deep dive episodes we like to bring in other fans and ask the people what their favorites are before each and every episode so we ask people on twitter on our twitter account at dragon quest fm and we also ask them on the dragon quest channel in discord and i don't know what the discord is you'll have to tell people that one I don't know how Discord works. (laughs) You can go there at uh, geek2geekmedia.com slash Discord and get an invite link to that one. Yeah, cool. Like I said, I don't know how Discord works. It's just magic to me. (laughs) Fair. I like like downloaded the app and use it sometimes. (laughs) That's that's understandable. That's fine. I get it. I, I totally understand that. So we did ask 
lots of people what their favorite Dragon Quest Seven character was. And we did get some responses that focused on NPCs that I that I really want to mention, but we're going to bring up in a later episode right. when we're focusing more about not the main characters, but just other characters in general. But for today, just going through Twitter and Discord, Ruff is clearly the winner here in terms of favorite character, I think, in terms of people who actually responded to us. Yeah, and I was I was both surprised and not surprised at that. Like, uh, I was not surprised because of the the massive amount of discussion that we get regarding his translated names from Gabo or Ruff. And I'm also surprised uh, that uh, some of the others didn't actually beat him based on other comments that we've had. Yeah. For instance, people like Wenley Smith said, Ruff is my favorite, purely based on how he is in combat. I love his speed so much, and he can use boomerangs. He Thumbs can. Up. And he can which is nice. Uh, Aurelian said, Gabo for being my number one wolf pack leader. Rough, in other words. I always had him become a monster tamer, one of my favorite aspects of DQ games. Todd actually said, I like Rough. Every time I talk to him, I like what he has to say. He is always <laughs> funny. His party <laughs> chats are always too. great. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, and then Demi also said Rough. Uh, Sparrow all said Gabo. And let's see... I think just scrolling through the list here, Data Era over on Discord said Ruff. Uh, Steve said, I love Ruff slash Gabo's design and his Wolfpack centric abilities. I just kind of wish he acted a bit more like a feral child, despite how cliched that would be. And I, I actually think he's pretty wild. I get what Steve's saying, though. I see what he's saying, and I kind of agreed. Like he he goes, and this is spoiler territory here, where when he turns from a a wolf into a into a boy, he he loses like bloodlust, and and I mean I know it's a Dragon Quest game, but it's like he doesn't seem like wild. He seems almost uh, he, he's quirky more than wild. Yeah, I get that too. Yeah, he, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have to be tamed or anything. Right. It's not like it's not like he turns into a human and then that first night everyone's in an inn together. Uh, the main character wakes up and he's eating Maribel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where it's like, oh man, that that kid. There's something wrong with him. It's like, no, yeah. he's like, I'm a boy now, and that's basically it. Yeah, he never like pees in the corner and they have to slap him on the nose with a newspaper. I mean, that even happens to us. How did it not happen to him? That happens to you? <laughs> um, no. Jennifer, sla Jennifer slapped you on the nose with a newspaper because you pee in corners. I don't know what you're talking about. No. <laughs> uh, other people on Twitter, few people mentioned Kiefer. Not as many as I actually expected. I expected far more people to say Kiefer. Yeah, a lot of people mentioned Kiefer as like their number two choice. Uh, like he was mentioned as a kind of like an afterthought. Uh, a few people... Uh, like Platinum 3 and Liam said Kiefer was their favorite, listed him as number one, but not a whole lot of people did, which I found surprising because I really like Kiefer a lot. And so I was surprised that not that more people didn't say Kiefer. Uh, I was surprised by how many people said Maribel, though. Yes, that really surprised me because I think she's one, of, if not my favorite, one of my favorites, and I hated her at the beginning. I'll talk about this more when we get to Maribel, but I have feelings about her. <laughs> aww. I don't know if that's good or bad, but aww. Outside of Ruff, I think Maribel probably was the most popular character that people listed off in DQ7. Yeah. Um, also saw a couple of people mention Mervyn, yes. which I found, 
I found pleasantly surprising. Chris, he said, Mervin, a great night to guide all these kids, which is totally true. A gap freezer says uh, he's the babysitter of all the kids. And he kind of is. You know, Dragon Quest Seven. most of the cast is kids, which kind of makes it somewhat unique from the other games in the series, is that you have these kids. And then you do kind of have this old man that's always talking about how old he is. Yep. And he's, you know, trying to keep up with these kids and help them out. And so, uh, so that is, I'm glad that Mervin is getting a little bit of love. Saw a few people mention Ash, but I don't think I'm scrolling through here really quickly. I don't think anybody said, oh wait, we do have one. Savithian says Ash. And I saw somebody use her other name, Arya, I think. Uh, All right. Aura, but not as a favorite. They listed her as like a second or third favorite. Was it? I thought it was on top. Man. Yeah, that's the only one I can find where she's listed as their favorite. Well, yeah, I mean, and I understand she comes so late in the game that if she's your she's your favorite, which is great. It's just that most people don't have a lot of time to spend with her by the time they get her. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's one of my big things with Ash as well. But still, I'm glad I'm glad at least Every character got a little bit of representation. Even the main character, Ninja yes. Temper, said the main character, his youth and style match the sense of adventure and exploration in the game perfectly. So that's awesome that every single every single main character got at least one person saying they were their favorite. So yeah. that's that's pretty cool. And I don't think we've ever done a deep dive where we've been like, hey, what's your favorite character? And somebody has mentioned every single character you know and i've thought about it like you just saying that like running through my head i can't think of a single other jrpg that i've ever heard someone say that like i've never heard someone say that that, that quinna was their favorite character in final fantasy 9 or amaranth it was just like well no it's vivi it, it's it's never one of those like where i, I hear someone do it in, with Every Dude, character lock. Quinna is one of my favorite characters. But not your favorite. Well, no, because Vivi exists and Vivi steals everyone's hearts. It's true. He does. But Amaranth, yeah. I mean, if there's somebody who thinks Amaranth is their favorite character in Final Fantasy IX, please let me know. Please. Because he, he I, is my least favorite character. He is my least favorite character to play as, to look at, and to simply have like on screen at any given time. Like, yeah. it's just, I don't like him. Well, his problem too, I know this isn't a Final Fantasy IX discussion, but his his whole problem is that he feels tacked on. He's he's at the very, very butt end of disc two yep. of Final Fantasy IX, which means you've played over half the game already. And then in disc three, your party is split up so much that he doesn't quite get the characterization that all the other characters get earlier in the game. Yeah. And so it just kind of always feels like I don't know. He's always just felt tacked on to me. It was like they, for some reason, they wanted another playable character and they were like, hey, we'll just make this guy. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like it. Yeah. Like I, I've played the game multiple times and I don't remember anything about him, which is kind of, you know, the exact opposite of this game. It being massively long that everybody, even the ones that get tacked on at the end, like Ash are someone's favorite character. Yeah. I can tell you a lot about Amaranth. I'm not going to in this episode, but I can tell you a lot about him. <laughs> Why don't you tell me in your JRPGs and me podcast? Because I, ha- I haven't done Final Fantasy IX yet. I also expect you to say because you don't listen to my JRPGs and me podcast, BJ. <laughs> no, but that is a good, a, a other good point. 
which would help so much of our conversations. There's so many times that you're asking something. I'm like, hey, if you would just listen to this thing I said or read this thing that I wrote, and it's fine. It's but true. I guess we just wouldn't have conversations at that point. If you just read and listened to we, me, then you wouldn't feel the need to text me questions. It's true, and we would just send each other links, and uh, that would be a horrible friendship. But like, hey, how you doing? The top Final Fantasy IX characters. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. That's how I'm going to talk to you from now on. Just That's send me screen rant links. Interaction. All right. So getting back into just our personal feelings now, now that we've, now that we've listened to what the fans have to say, let's talk about the hero first. So I like the hero a lot. Um, I've said it before. I've defended him against you, uh, but I kind of like the, the whole link knockoff. Look, I think that's how, how you put it in one episode uh, where he's just he's this derpy fisherman's son. And he, he's also like the only real kid that you play as in a mainline DQ game when you think about it, because the other heroes, they're either adults or they're teens, like right. older teens, or they grow up like in five. You play as a kid for a little bit, but then he grows up. And so I really like that the, the hero in seven is just this kid. And he's always kind of got this, he does, he has this like derpy look on his he face does. where he always just kind of looks bewildered about everything. But I think that plays really well into his character and just him being a kid and everything. I think it works. And, and I really do, I really do like his Link knockoff design the, with the green and everything. I really do like that. I think Platty called him Hobo Link in his, uh, his list in the Twitter thread. And I really liked that because it's kind of what I feel about him. He's like the, uh, he's like the Equate brand Link. Uh, he's the Walmart version of Link, and uh, he it, he grew on me as I played. And I'll say that I started actually liking him better when I got vocations opened up, and it changed his his visuals. It changed his outfit every time I I swapped into a different character. Where he didn't always have that derpy hat, and I realized that what it is is that hat that that makes me uh, look at him and be like, man, this kid isn't a hero. But but I really like the the models of the other armor and classes and vocations on him yeah that's one thing i was wanting to mention too is that the 3ds version you have all these different outfits to go with your jobs and i think that's really nice and you get to see him look a lot cooler it is like the equate brand or like that meme where it's like mom can i have this link and she's like no we have this link at home and then the link we have at home it's just (laughs) true (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna make that. A I think you should please do that. This but yeah, it is that kind of thing, and so I really like him though, and I, I do like that the jobs uh, in the 3DS version lets you lets you kind of see him growing yeah. more as a hero, and just some of those job costumes are really cool. They are in general, but overall, I like the hero. I like that he's just this fisherman's son who, you know, goes on to do something kind of heroic and cool and saves the world. And all this time he's a kid and it really makes for an interesting dynamic in the game because it's like you go off to these islands in the past and you're doing all these dangerous things going off on these adventures and then you show back up to your hometown and everybody's treating you like you're just a big dumb kid. And it's kind of delightful when you go home. It's uh, it's like Maribel has to go off to her, go off to her uh, family and go sleep and you go home and it's like, oh, okay, no one cares about me here anymore. Like oh I'm I'm a big hero man but I'm gonna I guess I'll go sleep in the coop with the chickens and I got really annoyed with that the first time I played Dragon Quest Seven I was like oh my gosh it feels so weird 
going off and doing all these things. And then there's periods in the game where you go back to the present in your hometown and you just have to do cute right. stuff for a little while. And I, I got really frustrated by it the first time. I, I can totally it. see it. It's grown on me a bit. It's still one of those things where it, it's almost jarring because you've gone off to do these heroics and then all of a sudden you're back doing kind of mundane everyday things, which is kind of the point of it, I guess. Yeah, I think so. So Kiefer, let's talk about Kiefer. I love Kiefer. I think you love Kiefer. I do. And he starts off He starts off as kind of a douchebag, but I really grew to love him. And then he just leaves. <laughs> just leaves. Like, I think that is the reason that most people didn't list him as a number one. Because at a point fairly early on in the game, and I mean, it's hours and hours into it, but this game is epically long, that fairly early in the game, he bails on you. He's just like, nah, guys, I found a lady and I'm happy here. Bye. And like, you know, he's happy. And I've talked about this in a previous episode where it was really sad when you run because he leaves you in the past and you go back to the future and you find out that he has lived a fully happy life with uh, with his, his wife, had a family. You find out all the stuff about Kiefer and. It's like you see his grave and you feel, I, I felt really sad. It's like, oh man, Kiefer is dead. I think it's because it was so early on that people didn't list him as a as a favorite, but I really like his character uh, enough that I really, really want the uh, Dragon Quest Monsters Caravan Heart to be translated over here where Kiefer is a kid and you're playing with all the monsters. My thing with Kiefer is that he, he seems like such just this jerk prince at the beginning. Yes. And then he's in the first, I would say depending on how you play the game, that you could reasonably expect him to be in your party for like 10 to 15 hours of the game. Yeah, I was thinking about 20. So yeah, and, probably oh, really? between oh, there. Wow. Every time I've played Dragon Quest Seven, I've beaten it much faster than other people say you beat it in. Even mm. even Dragon Warrior Seven. Remember I sent you that screenshot about yeah. when I get to combat? Uh, it was my first time playing actual Dragon Warrior Seven, And people were like, oh yeah, it's going to take you like three to five hours to to get to combat. In Dragon Warrior 7, I sent you that screenshot where I got there in like an hour and a half. <laughs> yep. And, and, and that granted, is just. Granted, that was like my third time playing a version of Dragon Quest 7, but still. So, my, my, I guess, I guess my how long to beat time is a little skewed because just based on like what people seem to say, I feel like the time I've spent with Dragon Quest 7 is always much shorter than most people's. And I don't really understand why, because I usually max out like all my jobs and do a lot of exploring. So I don't know how it's possible, but yeah, it really surprises me how low your, your times are in comparison to other people, given how much stuff you do. Like uh, on geek to geek, we joke that void is a content locust that he just burns through everything and leaves it behind. And you're the same way, but you do it with all the extra stuff too. And you do it in a like in just the most efficient way possible, it seems. It's like I don't understand how your times are so low for the same amount of content as other people. I don't know. But that's why that's why I put them online is because because that's why that way it's not just me being like, Oh yeah, I beat Dragon Quest Seven in fifty five hours and people are like, There's no way. I'm like, well, there is. That was like my first time. I think my first time playing it, I even beat it in under 60 hours. Weren't we talking that I did uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in like 60? You did it incredibly fast. Yeah, where that was maybe the only game that you and I have both played where you beat it substantially faster than me. Because I, yeah. I spent about 95 hours in that game. And you were and like, so I was expecting 150 at least. 
Yeah. And you I didn't do a lot of the side stuff though. And like I did the actual side quests. I did a lot of them, but was gonna go back and do them while I was grinding for uh super bosses and never did. Yeah. But yeah, I beat it overall about sixty ish, sixty five ish, and it was like, How did I do this? Who who am I? I I just meander. I beat a game? What? Yeah, it's... I was I was surprised by that one too. Um getting back to Kiefer though. But that's your thing, yeah. I really liked Kiefer, and I think one thing that kind of sealed the deal for how much I really fell in love with him is the end of Dragon Quest Seven. So I guess mm. a spoiler for the ending here, if somebody wants to skip ahead 30 seconds that maybe hasn't gotten to the end, is that when you get Kiefer's message at the very end, when you get his message from the past telling you that he's okay and he's happy now, and it's after yep. you've gone through and beat the whole game, like that's honestly the ending to Dragon Quest Seven. Even the first time I played it when I didn't like it very much. Yeah. Like the ending there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is one of the best endings to a Dragon Quest game. Like something about the ending and then like sailing off into the sunset was just like a really, a really beautiful moment. And so I think, I think the fact that Kiefer leaving is such a bittersweet thing because he, he goes off, he falls in love, he's happy, he has kids. I mean, he's, he leads this wonderful life. So it's really happy for him. But at the same time, it's like, when you exist in the present, it's like your friend is dead. Your BFF is dead. And so it's just this really, it's this really weird thing. And it's also, it's one of the few times that a Dragon Quest, a playable character in a Dragon Quest game, you can't get them back. Yeah, there's no way. As far as I'm aware, like I've not found a way to even remotely see Kiefer again in that capacity. Yeah, you can get Maribel back in your party when she leaves it, which yep. we'll talk about in a sec, but you can't get Kiefer back. And so I think that's just one of those things. I also want to mention, before we get off of Kiefer, I find this really funny. So in Dragon Warrior 7, the king, Kiefer's dad, is King Burns, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing special. But in the 3DS version of Dragon Quest 7, Kiefer's dad is King Donald, which is a clear reference <laughs> in Donald Sutherland. Yep. And so... That's I like that they didn't change Kiefer's name at all, but they tweaked the king's name just to make like a weird kind of niche uh, Sutherland family pun. That is a very, very meta joke. That That is some gentle comedy, man. <laughs> so Maribel, for the longest time, let's just get this out of the way. For the longest time, <laughs> I hated Maribel. Oh yeah, me too. She was my least favorite character in any Dragon Quest game. I think Boria is now my least favorite <laughs> If anybody's listened to me just rant about how useless Boria is, because Maribel is at least really handy in, in battle. Right. I couldn't stand her. The first time I played this game, she annoyed me so, so much. And then I played Dragon Quest Nine, and I hated Stella a little bit more. But but seriously, Aww. there have been some characters like Stella and Boria that I just dislike more than Maribel. So she's not my least favorite character in a Dragon Quest game anymore. I still don't just especially love her. She has right. grown on me, much like a mold. She has grown on me. Dude, if you have mold growing <laughs> on you, then we need to have a discussion that's far beyond me peeing in the corner and getting hit with a newspaper. Much like, like a it. fungus. I don't have fungus growing on me either. But Again, like, why do you just have fungus? <laughs> but no, seriously, Maribel is like a fungus. It's like I don't necessarily want to like her, but she has grown on me a little bit. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, she is. Because my actual first interaction with Maribel was in Dragon Quest Heroes 2 where she and Ruff come out and her voice is like the voice actress is great. 
that performer is wonderful and she actually sounds as annoying as Maribel is. And so I get into seven and I'm like, Ooh, this is exactly like that. And now uh, playing it more, I'm like, Maribel's just sassy. I like her. It's like, I listen to the uh, party chat. I read the party chat and everything. And I'm like, yeah, you tell them Maribel, we got to get out of here. And uh, it's like, I like her so much more as I've gone through all of these adventures and realize that it's not annoyance and it's not any kind of like irritating character flaws. It's that she has this no nonsense personality and it just comes across from the hero's perspective uh, differently in the beginning than once you've experienced all of this. I really like her. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. For whatever reason, I just I really didn't like Maribel very much the first time I played. And I, the first time I played this, it was Dragon Quest Seven. When I played Dragon Warrior Seven, I don't know if they made her more obnoxious for Dragon Quest Seven in the 3DS version, or if I was just I knew what to expect from Maribel, so I wasn't as annoyed with her. But yeah. I felt like the Dragon Warrior version of Maribel is less annoying than the 3DS version for whatever reason. And I haven't played that one. I haven't played the PlayStation version of the Dragon Warrior 7, so I don't know about that translation. So we've gotten through about half of our playable party members here. Before we continue, I think it is time for a little shameless self-promotion. Ding, 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 shameless! That was three quarters of a Christmas song. (laughs) 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 It was like almost, but then it like, fell off there at the end but that's shameless okay. us shameless us give us your money yeah. is that better yeah i like it <laughs> so we do have a patreon page that i'm gonna let bj tell you guys about we have a patreon page at patreon.com slash dragon quest fm you can go there and through the end of the year get our geek to geek digital magazine press start and if you like it enough you can also subscribe to that patreon as well there are links all over there if you subscribe to the dragon quest fm one if you maintain your membership with us we send you a mini metal mug uh, that you can collect and turn in for no prize whatsoever you can get a sticker sent to you uh you can tell us what you want us to talk about you can choose episode topics uh just just one Wonderful, wonderful stuff. You get uh, special Discord roles on our Discord server at geekdmedia.com slash Discord. It's just all sorts of fun stuff, and we would really appreciate you being a part of the community. Uh, we love that you're a part of the community, and uh, we can't wait to interact with you more at patreon.com slash FM. Also, I want to mention really quickly, this isn't necessarily shameless self-promotion for us, but just for the series in general. Uh, when this episode goes live, Dragon Quest Eleven S is out on PC, Xbox One, and PS4. So go buy and play Dragon Quest XI-S, y'all. Yes, good good call. With this one, did this one get a physical release on Xbox One and PS4? Yes. Okay, it awesome. Is. And so it's, only, it, it's $39.99, so it's not even like a fully priced game or anything, but you get a whole lot of content. That was why I was asking, is I've only seen the price and the digital sale versions of it, so I didn't know if there was a physical one because they had lowered the price. So yeah, y'all should absolutely go get it. And now I'm, I was hesitant about whether, which one I wanted to get or which one I wanted to pay for, and now I have to get the PS4 uh, version of it to go with my original sealed PS4 version of it. So dang it. Yeah, Not dang yeah. it, but... Man, there are physical versions I didn't know there were. And if you're interested in reading up some about Dragon Quest XI, I have a whole lot of Dragon Quest XI posts to coincide with the release of the game that you can find at DragonQuestAustin.com. 
So there's three, there's four posts because another one is coming up tomorrow from the day we recorded this. So it will already be out when this is live because Ooh. time travel. So be sure to check all of that out. Dragon Quest Eleven S, it's really good on PS4. On PS5, it looks amazing. And I can only assume it looks great on Xbox One and on PC. Yeah, I mean, the the original one looks amazing on PC when you're able to run it with at full resolution, all this. And it's got the orchestral soundtrack uh, in XIS or 11S. And it, uh, it, it has to be astonishing looking now that uh, they've updated all of it, too. Yeah, and, and I was lucky enough to get a code for the game, and it just it looks great. It's well worth the money. I'm totally going to buy it anyway, and just so be sure to check it out, y'all. It's it's super good. I promise you, it's great. And there's a demo on all of these platforms. Go download the demo and play it, and then buy it. Do all of the things. Let Square Enix know that we love this and need more of it. So, getting back into today's episode over Dragon Quest. Seven. So we talked about Hero, talked about Kiefer, talked about Maribel. Now we have to talk about Ruff. He was seemed to be the clear favorite just on people who responded to us on Twitter and Discord. So if you love Ruff or I guess it'd be like Gabo. Gabo. Oh, oh, oh. Or, or it'd be like Gabo. Gabo. I don't know. Like that's the thing because of the, the <laughs> onomatopoeia. I don't know if it's like Gabo. Or how it goes, but I know how rough goes. Like initially, I always read it. I always read Gabo as like a howl, but then I was like, but if you say it quickly, like Gabo, 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 it kind of sounds like a dog. Yeah, it's like the dog sitting at the uh, window when another dog walks by. It's like Gabo, Gabo. Yeah. Also, this is the best part of the podcast we've ever done. (laughs) Just down, down, just barking like a dog. (laughs) Just everyone loves us now. Give us a five star rating, everyone, please. (laughs) <laughs> so Ralph, he might be my favorite character as well. I know a lot of people mentioned him. I, I really like Kiefer a lot, but something about Ruff, I just, I really like his backstory. He has a pretty unique backstory in terms of Dragon Quest characters. I mean, yeah. he's a wolf who got turned into a kid and I'm a sucker. I've said this before. <laughs> I'm a sucker for non-human characters in JRPGs. And Dragon Quest, outside of DQ10, Dragon Quest doesn't really have that. All their characters are generally human, right. uh, with a couple of exceptions. I feel like maybe that's why I, I like him, and I'm hopeful still that Dragon Quest Twelve will have some some more non-human characters. Would be really cool. But yeah, I just really like that whole dynamic of him being a wolf that got turned into a kid. Uh, he, he's also, he's got kind of this, something about his smile, the way he smiles and his eyes and everything. Somehow, Akira Toriyama perfectly conveyed what it would look like for if a human if a dog got turned into a human like you look at that kid and you look at his big dumb smile and that's what a dog would look like if it got turned into a human it It absolutely 100 percent is yeah like that's one of the things i love so much about all of the costumes with him is like a no matter what he's riding his his wolf like he's always there with his pack and in every single vocation that he gets but he always has that big dumb smile which is exactly what you talked about. Like his face is always full of either pure joy or just that animalistic instinct of things aren't right, but it's always in that, like he's a wonderful puppy kind of way. It's never not there. Like I do love that. And like when he growls at things, when he like jumps in front of you and growls at people, it is (laughs) 
the the animation is great where he just gets down on all fours and growls and it's like <laughs> I like that kid. Yeah, I feel like they just did a really good job with Ruff and I just feel like not even just in 7 but in just all of Dragon Quest, he really feels like this big unique character. Mhm. And that's probably why so many people have attached to him and like him as their favorite in this game because he is so different from everybody else and you get to play as him in Heroes 2 at least and that's fun. That that's true. I, I actually didn't like playing as him in Heroes too, but it was cool getting to hear him with a voice and stuff at least. Yeah, and he sounded kind of like what I would think of him too. So yeah, he did. I think the Heroes games. This is a little off topic, but I think the Heroes games all do a pretty good job. Like the characters, bringing characters from like Dragon Quest four and five and things like that. Like mm-hmm. they do a pretty good job. Like it really does feel what the, like sound like what those characters would sound like. Like I think yeah, the voice acting is really well done. Let's talk about Sir Merv. Get off my lawn, you new <laughs> kind of heroes. Back in my day, we didn't have little boys on wolves. <laughs> I love Sir Mervin. I didn't use him as much as I could. So my party, my party was typically the hero, Maribel, Ruff, and Sir Mervin. That was right. That was my four member party for pretty much the entire game, and. Mervin, I did not get him up in jobs the way that Ruff and the Ruff and Hero, I got all of them up through all the jobs, like Master, Champion, all of that kind of stuff with right. both of them. Sir Mervin, I think I stopped somewhere around Paladin. I might have gotten yep. up to like Champion for him. Uh, Hero was Hero, I believe. But anyway, Mervin, I didn't spend as much time on, but I really liked him. I do, whenever I think of Mervin, though, I mean, yes, he's an old man and all of that, but the part that sticks out most to me about him is the solo stuff where you have to wander around. Like, I think it's in uh, Buckingham and the Beacon, the little lighthouse that's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's before the fire spirit. Anyway, you you play as Sir Mervin, and it's only as him, and it's after some big events. And, like, the whole time I was playing it the first time, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm gonna, I was just super tense, and I'm like, dear God, I only have this old man in my party. What's going to happen? <laughs> so that was like a really intense moment of Dragon Quest Seven for me. I mean, it's a very brief amount of time compared to, like, the overall playthrough, but whenever yeah. you're playing solo with Sir Mervin through just that little stint of the game, it was very tense for me. Like, I was very scared that I was going to, like, wipe and, and be stuck. So, like, either I wouldn't be able to advance playing only as Mervin, mm-hmm. or I'd, like, die and, and lose some progress or whatever. I mean, there was just a lot of fears. It's always scary playing a solo character uh-huh. like, late in the game. Anyway, that's whenever I think of Sir Mervin, that's, like, the one thing I think of. <laughs> I get, I understand that. Like, like I always think of of just, like, his party chats, where it really is a lot of times you're like, we didn't used to have to deal with this. It was, it's just like, we need to go guys. Just, just stop, stop being kids. Yeah. Like I love, I love how he's nice and, and wonderful to these people, but he's always like, we didn't used to do it like this. Sir Mervin is like the Pepperidge farm remembers guy. (laughs) 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 He's like, he's like, remember when you didn't have to go back in time to save the world? Pepperidge farm remembers. (laughs) Pepperidge farm remembers. (laughs) Sir Mervin remembers. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the takeaway I think from this entire episode is that Sir Mervin is that Pepper's Farm remembers. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Ash, she is the final character to join your party, 
And of all the characters that you get in the game, I feel like I got to know Ash the least. I mean, you don't have very much time for it. It it comes so far at the end of the game that even using her, you don't even have enough time to level her up like you do the others if you're just playing through the main part of the story. Yeah, and I mean, thankfully, they do let you... She does come with like some vocations already and things like that. So it is skewed a little bit to help you out. But it's like even then having a couple of vocations at that point in the game doesn't really help when Maribel is like a druid and yeah. your other party members are all like champions or the hero. And then you have Ash, who's like an armamentalist. And it's yep. just like, well, this isn't very helpful. Here's my whole thing with Ash. I think she's an, an incredibly cool character who, for whatever reason, they waited way too long to introduce her. It's kind of like Armor yeah. It's kind of like Armorant, bringing that back to the whole Final Fantasy IX Armorant thing. It's that she has the same problem. She feels like she's she was introduced so extremely late in the game that it's really hard to, to feel connected with her in any way. Right. And, I mean, especially, you get Ash probably... 80 85% through the game. I mean, you get it you get Ash very late in the game. Really late. Late enough that it's amazing that you get a new party member where it's I don't understand the logic in the designers at this point. And even as a narrative standpoint where you're look or from a narrative viewpoint, you you can look at it and be like why they put it in right here, I don't understand. It's like especially with her being like you said Kiefer's uh Kiefer's descendant it's like that would have like been even more impactful if we had been more connected to Kiefer and she came in earlier. It was like before we had done so many more things. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the big thing is that her story is more interesting than Armorant's. I'm gonna keep that kind of analogy going because Armorant's is just kind of like he's there. And he's got some cool little backstory with Zidane, but that's really it. And so Ash though, because she's a descendant of Kiefer, it really it makes her more important than otherwise just being like, Hey, here's this lady <laughs> that you get to play as now. And it's like, you know, they take, they send Maribel away during that portion of the story so that you'll get more from familiar with Ash. Just to explain this to people who maybe don't know Maribel, you can get back. It's totally optional. I mean, you don't have to go back for her, but if you want, you can go back and get Maribel after some time and she'll rejoin your party, which I did because I'd spent, you know, like 30, 40 hours, playing as Maribel already and I really had her vocations and everything the way I wanted them and had her fitting within the party dynamic already and I just did not want to invest all that time and effort into Ash again and so for me with Ash it was like as soon as I could I traded Ash out and just really mm -hmm. really never looked back and because there's four members in your party Ash is kind of the one that just always got left out yeah I mean it's because you're I don't know, and I, I don't know if I play JRPGs like this, or you do, or other people do. But once I find a party that works, and I like playing as those characters, even if they're not the most optimal characters, I will continue playing as them because I like them. That uh, some people min max and make sure that they have everything absolutely as perfect and all the the best best vocations and jobs and and side abilities learned. And I'm like, I just like these people, and so I'm going to play as them. And with Ash coming in so late, I already have a connection to like, I like playing as Maribel as a druid and Mervyn as a paladin and the hero as a champion, all of this. And Ruff as some sort of monster masher because I like doing breath weapons with him. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I had, 
Like, for instance, Final Fantasy IX, since we've talked about that so much in this episode, too. You know, I've played that game, like, 20 times. I've played and beaten that game 20 times and probably started Mm. it even more than that. And it's like, I know so much about that game because I love it so much. But I always default, as soon as you get all of your party members available, I always default to the same four characters. Like, I don't think yeah. I've ever played that game. And even even more recently, the last couple of years, I've tried to play with other characters. I always end up going back to the same four because that's what I've been used to. Those are yep. the four characters I like. The party dynamic works really, really well. And it's the same thing, you know, that applies here with Dragon Quest Seven. is that... <laughs> did you hear her yelling that time? I did. I thought it, so- it sounded like a chair squeak. Yeah, it, it's, it's Stella yawning over here. Uh, she's I'm boring my dog apparently. <laughs> Wow, that is. And she is very excitable. So congratulations. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing that Ash has going against her is that she's just she's introduced so late, even though she's cool and she has a cool backstory. It's just like she's introduced so late, it's hard to really spend the time and effort getting to know her and, yeah. and playing with her in your party. Uh that she just she feels very underdeveloped compared to the rest of the cast. Yeah, I I agree. She does have a cool model, though. Like, we haven't mentioned it. She looks really cool. Yeah, she looks a lot like Red from 8. Yeah, she does. She really does. Yeah. Less piratey and just more swashbuckly. I don't know. I think Red has her hair... Red, to me, just looks like Ash, but with her hair pulled up in a ponytail. <laughs> I'll have to actually put them side by side. I haven't, yeah, uh, I mean, there's... I haven't done that, but yeah, I, I'm... Yeah. There are differences more than that, but I mean, that's Obviously, just kind yeah. of always what I think of. Yeah. So anyway, thank you guys for listening to our first episode of our deep dive into Dragon Quest VII. We've got lots more episodes planned in the future where we're going to be talking about jobs, the story, NPCs, just all sorts of fun stuff that all revolve around Dragon Quest VII. So we hope you'll join us next week when we continue that discussion. Thank you guys so much for listening today, though. And remember, you can talk to us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM, and you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. If you want to talk to me directly, you can totally do that. I'm on Twitter at DragonQuestin. You can also read my regular Dragon Quest blog. That is at DragonQuestAustin.com. Like I mentioned earlier, there are a ton of brand spanking new Dragon Quest 11s posts up there right now. So make sure you just read all of them. And I can be found on Twitter as at Professor Beach. If you want to listen to my other podcast, the Geek to Geek podcast, you can listen to that on Wednesday nights uh, when new episodes drop. And you can find that at geek2geekcast.com. Uh, you can also find lots of other content on our network, uh, the Geek to Geek Media Network, where we're doing uh, tabletop live streams. We have video game reviews. We have just all sorts of wonderful stuff, including Austin's great Dragon Quest XI-S uh, deep dives. Uh, you can find all of that that at geek2geekmedia.com as well as our Slack and Discord links which are incredibly active these days and uh, really really wonderful to have the community talking there so head over to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links and uh, join us and have fun. Thanks everybody we'll see you next week. Bye all. <laughs>